Welcome to Ask a Lawyer with me, Steve Sleeper. Our guest today is attorney Chris Hess in Amarillo, Texas. Attorney Hess is a forensic lawyer scientist. Find out how that benefits clients he defends. I began the interview by asking Chris about himself and his firm. Well, I focus on criminal defense, and I'm in Amarillo, Texas. I did practice for a little bit in Houston, Texas. My children are up here in Amarillo, so I decided to move to Amarillo, and now I'm uh, practicing in Amarillo, Texas. So tell me, what is a forensic lawyer scientist? There's a certification you can receive from the American Chemical Society called a uh, Amer- American Chemical Society uh, Forensic Lawyer Scientist designation. Mm-hmm. And you have to take 120 hours uh, of uh, work, uh, hours to of, of uh, education, and take a test and do a lot of lab work. Chris, tell me, what should I expect from a good DWI criminal defense lawyer? Well, the first thing that you should ask your lawyer is, um, how does the machine work? Um, the machine they use to test your blood or your breath. Okay. They can't explain it to you um, in layman's terms. If they can't explain it to you and, and help you understand it, then they don't know what they're talking about. Okay. Okay. Second of all, um, I think it's always helpful to have a chemist um, to testify on your behalf as an expert in a DWI case if you have to go to trial. Um, I can have all the education in the world, and there is a, a mistrust of lawyers a lot among juries. Um, when you put your own expert up on the stand, that that's that goes a long way. What happens after a person is arrested? Well, they are uh, taken to the jail, um, and they're read statutory warnings in Texas. And we call it DIC paperwork. It's like a governmental term for the the type of designator on the piece of paperwork. Um, And they pretty much ask them to uh, submit to giving them a breath or blood specimen. And they tell them what the consequences are. And uh, if you uh, give a sample that's above the legal limit and it's the first time you've ever gone through the suspension process, then your license will be suspended for three months. Um, if you don't give a sample and refuse to give a sample, your license is suspended for six months. What a lot of people don't know is you can request a hearing to save your driver's license. And that's what I do. And I, I subpoena officers to show up to that hearing to save their driver's license. And it's, it's an administrative hearing. So these officers, they read the warnings to you. And you may, they, they don't give you the option of saying, well, we're going to ask for breath or blood. That's that's up to them. Some people refuse. Some people give their breath or their or a blood sample. Sometimes if people refuse, um, most law enforcement agencies will get a search warrant for their blood. Okay. Uh, so they'll take them to the hospital and, and get and, and draw their blood using a search warrant. There are a few exceptions under Texas law to get um, someone's blood without a search warrant. Usually that involves very serious bodily injury or death. But par for the course, they're going to get a search warrant if you refuse. So if you refuse, not only are you facing a six-month suspension for the refusal, but uh, they're going to probably get a search warrant for your blood, draw the blood. 
After they draw the blood, then uh, they put you through the booking process at, at jail. Um, the next morning, you're going to see um, a what we call a magistrate. That's a general term in Texas for pretty much any judge. Um, it's a very catch-all type of term for any type of judge. Um, usually, JPs, justices of the peace, are the magistrate at the um, magistration hearing. They call it or they call it magistration. Um, it's not the same thing as arraignment. Uh, magistration is where this judge, usually a JP, um, sets your bond. And they set your bond based on a schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, the schedule is depends on what level of crime you're accused of. Uh, for instance, a Class B misdemeanor driving while intoxicated usually is around $1,500, no more than $2,000 bond. Felonies, um, then they start going up in amount. Um, also, they'll, they will take into account your criminal history, how many times you've been arrested, how many convictions you have, and that, that will make your bond go higher. Um, but there's a set schedule for if you have a clean criminal history, there'll be pretty much a set schedule. It's almost guaranteed your bond for a DWI Class B will be about $1,500, maybe, maybe no more than $2,000. Okay. There is such a thing as a DWI Class A, up to a year in jail and probation. A B is up to six months in jail or probation. Um, and A is if your um, blood alcohol content is a 0.15 or above, or if you have a prior DWI misdemeanor conviction. Okay. Okay. We alluded to this before about keeping your license. So if if you if you get pulled over and the officer has probable cause to arrest you for a DWI, do they take your license then? And are you able to get it back for them? Could you go, kind of go into a little more detail on that? Well, the license suspension process, that's what makes the DWIs complicated. Uh -huh. um, whenever you're arrested for DWI, they, they'll confiscate your driver's license and you have to get a replacement. Um, when I say you have to get a replacement, what I mean by that is, they'll hand you in the, in the statutory warnings they give you, they'll hand you a piece of paper that says temporary driving permit. And it'll say that you refused a breath test or you gave a breath test over the limit. It also acts as your temporary driving permit until your license is suspended 40 days later. Unless you request a hearing to save the driver's license. Mm, okay. So my clients say to me, well, I got this piece of paper saying temporary driving permit. Should I get a, a another driver's or replacement driver's license for fifteen dollars? And I say yes because I don't want them uh, to flag themselves uh, for the next officer when they're pulled over. I see. Okay. Uh, and, and I mean, if the officers did run a criminal history check, they would see that they were arrested for a prior DWI. But I just don't like them flagging themselves right out of the chute, you know, right when they're pulled over by handing the officer their piece of paper that says temporary driving permit. So I say, just get your, your replacement driver's license, use that. And, and it's fine because I've requested your hearing. Um, your license will not be suspended at the 40-day mark. It, it's, we'll see what happens at the hearing. The hearing will probably happen in three, four, five months, maybe six. Um, at the administrative license hearing, you can challenge um, probable cause for the arrest, um, for the stop. You can uh, challenge reasonable suspicion for the stop. You can also get into if they truly refused or not. There are a few cases where they tried really hard to breathe into the machine. Uh, that's very rare, though. That's I've, I've maybe seen one case where an elderly woman just couldn't breathe hard enough. 
Um, usually it's, it's the reason for the stop at those hearings. You don't really get into the science behind whether they truly gave above a 0.08 or not. That's, that's for jury trial in the criminal matter. So the, um, if your license is suspended for three months for giving over the limit or six months for refusing, they're, they're actually, they're, the suspension period is actually higher than that if you've had a prior suspension for DWI. So it could be six months or a year, even up to two years. Then what I get from my clients is called, it's called an occupational driver's license from a judge so they can legally drive during the suspension period. And it's for their occupation, for their trade or for essential household purposes. If they don't have that occupational, they will be arrested for driving on a suspended license. And and, and then I'm going to add in also, if we lose the driver's license hearing and they have a commercial driver's license, they are totally jacked. Um, trying to think of a way to put it without cussing um, the old yeah. Marine. Yeah. <laughs> um, commercial driver's license will be disqualified for one year. And I cannot get an occupational driver's license to for a commercial driver's license. The occupation is only for your personal driver's license. Okay. So if you have a commercial driver's license and, and your license is suspended from the from the suspension process, it can it can ruin people. It can absolutely ruin them. Well, they don't have a way to make a living. Yeah. 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 Now I know. Cops are human, just like the rest of us, and I, and I know they have a, a a certain protocol they have to follow with with a DWI. Do you see mistakes? Uh, what does that mean for your clients if if there are mistakes? Well, well, I like pointing out officer mistakes. A handful of occasions in my career have caught cops lying. Um, usually, I question their the way they they administer the tests. If, if they're truly standardized, they have to administer them in a standardized manner. So you have the field tests, which are called standardized field sobriety tests. They have to administer those in a standardized manner. And, and a lot of times they don't. They don't give the instructions correctly. They don't demonstrate correctly. Um, it's very, so those field tests are very subjective. Um, they're based on statistical analysis. And there's, there's a San Diego study. There's a couple other studies. And what they did is they, they dosed up 21-year-old men well in in my opinion i would call them boys really i mean i'm 49 now and i didn't know everything when i was 21 but they dosed up these kids um at certain levels and then they gave them the eye test which is a horizontal gaze nystagmus they gave them the one leg stand they gave them the walk and turn and they they tended to fail more with the more the, the higher dose they had in the system and they, they showed the statistical results for it and it's based on healthy 21-year-old males, um, not elderly people, not older people, not people with physical problems. Um, women have a lower tolerance to alcohol than men. Any somewhat decent DWI attorney will know how to attack those. I mean, because I've done it. I must have cross-examined officers 100 times on those. Um, really, when the, when the rubber hits the road, is you got to look at how, how good is the, your attorney um, when it comes to cross-examining uh, their lab tech on on their chromatogram reports did your attorney request the batch chromatograms um and i'm educated enough to know what to look for but i also bring a chemist in i give him 500 dollars for his evaluation and, and if we have to use him for trial he gets paid per day for trial you have to request the batch chromatogram reports 
um, to see if there's any cross-contamination. There's other issues too, with some very systemic issues with blood draws. It's called uh, candida albicans. Uh, most law enforcement agencies don't refrigerate the blood, and they should. Oh. They had yeah. they should, but they don't. And the the um, I, I have um, demonstrative exhibits for trial. I have I have the vials they use for the gas chromatograph, the uh, uh, chromatograph machine. I have a lot of demonstrative exhibits for the jury to show them. I know what I'm talking about. You have a, a gray top tube that they draw your blood with when they they do the blood draws, and they have two chemicals in it. One is um, a preservative, and then another is an anticoagulant. The preservative they put in there doesn't uh, protect against a, a yeast on people's skin called Candida albicans. And so you'll have what's called fermentation in the tube. You combine yeast with heat and sugar. The sugar is from the glucose in your blood, and you get fermentation. That's a systemic problem that any most attorneys should realize, but half of the one DWI attorneys I meet up there don't know what the heck that is. Let's kind of recap a little bit. Um, penalties for DUI first, and do I have to do any jail time if I'm found guilty? If you have no criminal history, it's almost guaranteed you'll get probation. There are three different types of probation in Texas. Now, one is conviction probation, or we also call it straight probation, where you're convicted and then you do probation. Well, in most states in the union, most people want to avoid a, a conviction, so most states offer a, a, a non-conviction type of probation. In Texas, there's two non-conviction types of probation. One is um, deferred probation. You don't receive a conviction, you do probation, and you can do that on a, on a DWI first, um, your first one, not any subsequent, not any um, subsequent one in the future. And if you do deferred, you can seal the the prosecution and the fact you're arrested from the public later. It's called a non-disclosure of the records, or we, uh, in layman's terms, it's a sealing of the records. I want to seal my criminal history from the public, so I, I'm interested in the deferred probation. But the law has changed on sealing of records. Now you can actually seal a misdemeanor conviction too, even a DWI conviction. So the the, the line between a deferred probation and a, and a conviction probation for misdemeanors uh, very blurred now. There is not very much of a difference now. And to top that off, even if you get the deferred probation, where you can seal it later, even though you can seal a misdemeanor conviction. There, if you get another DWI in the future. Uh, accusation they're gonna um, they're gonna bump it up because of the prior misdemeanor conviction or the prior deferred probation usually deferreds don't work that way but for them for dwis in texas yes they'll take the prior deferred and bump up the second one the second one will be a class a the third one will be a third degree felony oh. so you know let's say you get a, a, a deferred misdemeanor first then a second misdemeanor a conviction, you won't get a deferred the second time. And then the third one will be felony, and they'll take the very first deferred and say, well, you got two prior DWIs, and that deferred will count towards this felony accusation today. Oh, there also, there's also an automatic felony for having a child passenger under 14 in your car uh, for DWI. Um, it doesn't matter if you have criminal history or not. If you have a, a passenger under 14 in your car, that's a state jail felony accusation. Okay, so... I talked about two different types of probation. The line between them is very blurred. The third one, which is a really good deal, which I'll, most of my clients actually take, is called pretrial diversion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where you successfully complete, it's pretty much a contract between you and the DA's office. 
the court has to know about it because they could force the parties into trial. So most courts ask, you know, are, do you, are you doing this? And both parties say yes. But traditionally, it's a contract between you and the DA's office. And you say, well, I'll do your probation with you and I'll, I'll have a contract with you and do it with you. It's not court order probation. It really isn't. It's a contract you and the DA's office to do their probation. And then they dismiss the case against you when you complete their probation. And then what happens is if they dismiss their case, you can um, expunge later. Right. Which is even which is light years better than sealing the records from the public. Expunging destroys any evidence that ever happened. Not even any future prosecutor will know that you were accused of DWI. So we have a few counties that offer that, but that's not guaranteed. That's up solely up to just up to the discretion of the DA DA's office. Let's say that you find a lot of procedural mistakes ahead of a, a trial. Uh, and we talked about those procedural mistakes before and previously. Uh, do those cases end up going to the trial or do you work something out with a prosecutor or what do you do? I tell my client what I think the chances of winning are. And then most of the time it comes down to whether they can afford me for trial and whether they I, can afford me. I had a DWI pled out last week and he pled out to uh, conviction probation on a class A and I told him, you're not really getting a bargain. You know, it's a, you, you would have gotten a conviction and probation from the jury anyway, but he said, I can't afford your services for trial. And, you know, I, I, I got to make a living. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to do a trial for free. No, um, I understand. I understand. Yeah. They do in the driver's license issues. I'm the only guy in town that subpoenas these officers for these driver's license hearings. And a lot of times I've, They've said one thing at the driver's license hearing, and then we go to trial and, and their story changes a little bit. That's right. That's right. So plea bargains, are there plea bargains on DWIs in Texas? There are. There's one county in my area offers pretrial diversion. Um, unless an accident happened in the DWI, then they won't. Uh, most of my clients but take the pretrial diversion. Some will take, some counties won't give a, pre, a pretrial diversion offers. They'll just offer deferred. And I'll tell my clients the line between deferred on DWIs, misdemeanors, uh, the line between deferred and, and misdemeanor conviction is it, it's such a slight. Uh, there's hardly really any difference between the two anymore. And you, I just I leave it up to the client and I tell them where I think the mistakes happen. There's there's always mistakes in the standardized field sobriety test. And there's, and there's also that sy systemic problem with the uh, Candida albicans, the um, which is the most prevalent yeast on, on human kind, actually. Right. It's yeast on people's skin. The systemic problem is the law enforcement agents are not refrigerating the blood. Then, and then finally, three weeks later, when it gets to the lab, they, they the lab finally puts it into the refrigeration unit. And they'll come up with interesting answers on why they decide to refrigerate after they receive it versus why you should have done it before. Um, all sleight of hand, pretty much. Um, I, I, I even even the Texas, I have a manual, the Texas evidence gathering manual. Um, it talks about having to refrigerate biological samples from the very beginning. And these these cops don't refrigerate your blood. They, they should. Yeah, I get hired by a lot of DWIs. It's the most common crime to be accused of for a law abiding citizen. That really within I, I see a lot of assault, domestic violence, misdemeanors, too. That can be pretty common with dysfunctional relationships and marriages. Um, but that can be pretty common for otherwise law-abiding people. 
Our guest today on Ask a Lawyer with Steve Sleeper is forensic lawyer, scientist, and criminal defense attorney Chris Hess. His phone number is 806-350-6785, and his website is panhandlecriminaldefense.com. Attorney.